Welcome to the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast, episode 55. My name is Alina Warwick, and today we have Daisy Jing on the show. Before we continue with this episode, I wanted to ask if you can share some love by subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating. If you leave a rating, your name may be dropped in one of my future episodes. So stay tuned and connected. So I grew up in Minnesota and there's literally nobody who is Asian, basically nobody who is non-white in my Mm -hmm. school, my community. So yeah, it was just really weird going there, not looking like anyone, not knowing the language, not having the right clothes. And also when you're an immigrant, you're really poor, right? Daisy came to the United States when she was very young with her family. Her dad came to this country with $400 in his pocket. It made her be extremely frugal and resourceful. Daisy went through a phase of intense acne and when she went looking for answers, she recorded her journey. She went to YouTube to record her journey from acne to clear skin. She created over 1,000 YouTube videos where she talked about the ingredients in the skincare lines out there on the market and then eventually created her own products to treat her own acne. She did this as a side hustle while working her corporate job. She realized that when her products were being purchased, she had to quit. It was a huge risk taken because her parents thought she threw away the American dream to start something so risky. Since then, she's been featured on Forbes 30 Under 30 in Manufacturing, Inc. 500 Entrepreneur, And she took the stage on TEDx. So let's dive right in and hear all about her journey to success. Okay, Daisy, thank you so much for coming on the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast. I truly appreciate your time and I'm super excited to hear all about your journey. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Alina, for having me. I'm really excited about this topic because I feel like, yeah, it has really shaped me who I am and I'm definitely shaped the way I started in my business. Let's talk about your immigrant journey. Tell us where you're from and when did you come to the United States? So I'm Chinese and I came to the United States when I was three and a half. Okay. You came with your parents? Yeah. So my dad, he's like super, super smart. He came on a research doctorate, I think right after I was born. And then he was invited to stay longer. So then we came over with him. Did your mom work at all or was she a stay-at-home mom? So my mom had a degree in computer science, but she didn't speak English. So she actually had to work at McDonald's in the back flipping burgers. And she would work at Chinese restaurants under the table, you know, just very below minimum wage (laughs) jobs because she couldn't speak English. So yeah, she had to learn the language from the ground up. And then eventually she got her master's and now she works full-time as a software engineer because she has that degree. But yeah, just not knowing the language is pretty hard and you're not really able to get a job anywhere if you don't know the language. Yeah. Do you recall if your parents knew anyone when they immigrated to the United States or did they come by themselves because of your dad's job? Yeah, they came by themselves. Back then we had no family here. Yeah. Wow. So do you remember anything from China and growing up and any other culture? Not really. All I remember my parents tell me this is every time I saw an airplane, I said, dad's in that airplane. (laughs) So anytime an airplane was flying by, I thought my dad was always in those. (laughs) 
Got it. Got it. Okay. And so what about growing up? Because I immigrated when I was four years old. So right around that age. And when we went to grade school, I was always bullied for the way that we dressed and I didn't really know any English. I mean, I was just dropped off at school and they were like, all right, adios. (laughs) You can learn English when you get to school. So do you remember going through any struggles or any cultural changes? Oh, for sure. I feel like that's a huge part of who I am today. So I grew up in Minnesota and there's literally nobody who is Asian, basically nobody who is non-white in my Mm -hmm. school, my community. So yeah, it was just really weird going there, not looking like anyone, not knowing the language, not having the right clothes. And also when you're an immigrant, you're really poor, right? So just not being able to afford like limited to, I remember was super (laughs) big back then, or just like some of the fashions back then. And you know, kids like they're ignorant, right? So they don't mean bad, but you know, they would do things like pull their eyes to the side and make fun of, you know, Chinese words like ding tong, ling long, and, you know, just make fun of me and my name and all that stuff. So I definitely knew I was an outsider and I felt like an outsider. And I would definitely say my childhood was really hard (laughs) because of that. Mm -hmm. And what do you mean by it shaped you to who you are right now? I always feel different. Like, I never feel like I belong. I kind of have an identity crisis all the time because I don't feel like I fit in in, like, mainstream white culture, but I also don't feel like I fit in with Asian culture. Mm -hmm. And I think it has just pushed me to be very individualistic, like, just kind of doing my own thing because I just simply have never fit in. And so I'm not scared to just do something on my own. For example, starting my company, right, by myself, just doing it. Like, I wasn't really afraid to do it because... I've been kind of a loner all my life because I never really fit in. And I might actually feel more comfortable doing things on my own, right? Because that that's like how I grew up. Like I didn't really have many friends. I kind of just was home alone all the time, just like by myself. And that's kind of what I'm comfortable with. So because of that, I'm a very independent person. Yeah. And I saw a video you posted about the representation of Asian Americans and the fact that we should be speaking more about the representation of Asians in America. What do you want to say kind of towards all the people that are listening or um, what else did you want to convey through that message? Yeah, I feel like racism isn't really talked about against Asian Americans because we're seen as the model minority and we're seen as, you know, successful and hardworking and obedient and, you know, very positive traits. But that doesn't mean there isn't oppression against Asian Americans. If you see representation in Hollywood, we are very, very, very underrepresented, much behind a lot of other minority groups. If you look at politics, we're very much underrepresented. If you look at executives of Fortune 500 CEOs, are very much underrepresented. So even though we're the model minority, we have very little power in this society. And I think that's important to talk about and speak up about and realize any kind of biases we have against Asians is not right and unfounded. And it is a different form of racism, right? It might not be mm-hmm. racism that maybe Black Americans face, but Asians do face a type of racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I had a guy on my show and he came from Mexico and his type of racism was he immigrated to 
San Diego, Los Angeles area and Southern California. And back in the day, I guess there was a lot of LA gangs that were Hispanic based, Mexican based. And a lot of times he was just getting pulled over just because he looked Mexican and he was put in the backseat of the patrol car and it would just happen so constantly. And they would just keep on asking, so what gang are you affiliated with? So you're totally right. Every culture goes through different racism, different biases. And I'm so excited to talk about that and especially so open on this channel. And you do the same thing on your medium channels as well. And I think it's so powerful to speak up, to say that, hey, America, we are so consumed with such an amazing, diverse cultures. We are just a whole blend of different cultures and diversity. So let's start accepting each other. Absolutely. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. So before you tell our listeners about your company, Banish, tell me a little bit more about the path you took. And I want to know if you try to go into any other fields before starting your business. Yes, I wanted to be a dermatologist because I've had acne my entire life. So I thought I was going to go the pre-med path. So I took all the pre-med courses in college, orgo, you know, microbiology, psychology, all of that. And I realized that I have no patience and I cannot go to school for 15 years (laughs) before I start making a salary. So (laughs) I was like, okay, this is not for me. And then I took economics and I love business. Like I love learning about companies. I love psychology. I love learning about how the markets move and why people buy stuff and purchasing behavior and all of that. So I decided to major in economics and then I worked in consulting right after college It was because I wanted to really learn about companies and businesses. So I did that for a year. I realized it was not for me. I'm definitely not a corporate person because I feel like corporate is a lot about fitting in. You know, you have to fit in to get promoted. You have to fit in for people to like you, you to fit in to kind of move up the ranks. And I was just kind of doing my own thing like I always do. (laughs) Yeah. So because of that, I was like, yeah, this is not for me. And I started making YouTube videos about my acne on the side And that started to grow and I loved it. I was constantly in a state of flow. And I feel like when you're in a state of flow, that means you are on the right path to doing Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to be doing. So I made so many YouTube videos. I think I have over a thousand YouTube videos currently on my channel. Wow. But I was just a maniacal, crazy person working so hard, (laughs) creating so much content. Like I would get back from work at 8 p.m. And then from 8 to 1 a.m., I would just work on my YouTube channel and then rinse and repeat every day. And this is while you were at your corporate job. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Okay. And so for how long did you do YouTube until you saw that there was something here better and bigger than my corporate career? Probably 18 months to two years. Okay. I don't think I made any money from YouTube, but I really enjoyed it because I enjoy telling my story and I enjoy talking to people and feeling like I was helpful to people. So I loved it. And then in terms of starting Banish because of those thousand videos I made, I realized that a lot of the skincare ingredients were actually harming my skin and causing more acne than not. And so I started making my own products and my viewers noticed that my skin began to clear up and they wanted to try some of it. So I shipped it. And then that is how Banish started. So I wasn't planning on monetizing it. It just kind of happened. I made my own products to use for myself and then people wanted to buy it. And then I was like, oh, hey, 
this can actually be a business. So you were still doing your corporate career during that time when you started creating your own products. No, I had quit my corporate. I believe I quit my corporate a few months before, like six months or a year beforehand. Yes. So when I quit, that was really, really scary. Yeah. Uh, It was the most (laughs) terrifying thing ever. Yeah. And so how old were you when you did that? 23. Okay. Yeah. Super young. Okay. Did you have any savings saved up? Not really. I didn't have really (laughs) any savings, but I also didn't have any expenses. I was working in San Francisco I made the decision to move back home with my parents. So I quit my job. So I didn't have any expenses because I was living at home. Okay. So tell me all about this starting maybe cost or how did you find the bottles? Did you have to find a supplier to go bigger or did you start smaller and did you sell these things on Etsy? How did you start all the startup processes? I made it very, very minimal viable product. I mean, I wasn't intending on having a business, a skincare line. I was actually applying for other jobs while doing this. And I remember I interviewed at Amazon, <laughs> ironically, during this, yes. But yeah, people were just like, oh, I want to buy some of the products. So I would get one order a day. And it was on a blogger website. And there's a PayPal checkout link. Like the website is just so ugly. And the packaging <laughs> was so bad. It's. I went to, I, I didn't even have custom printed bags. So I put a little postcard that I printed on FedEx with the logo Banish that I hand drew. I mean, it just looked terrible. I hand wrote the envelopes because I didn't have a printer. But yeah, (laughs) but it was just very minimal viable product. It was so ugly. I was like, no one is ever going to repurchase it. No one is ever going to like tell their friends about it, but they simply want the product. But Uh people kept repurchasing and people kept buying and it kept growing. So I knew that the product worked and people loved the product regardless of how ugly everything was. So that's kind of how I started. So that really lowered my startup costs. I didn't have any marketing spend for the first maybe four or five years because I had the YouTube channel and the product grew literally organically. And Mm. as for, you know, the money, the startup costs, I did take out, you know, quite a few credit cards. And there was one story where I purchased, was it 30K of inventory and it got lost, destroyed. What? And this was like my first order and I thought I was going to like die (laughs) and I thought like my (laughs) life was over and I was like, how am I going to ever pay that back and all that stuff. It was really, really hard the first couple years, first year especially, because I just felt like there were all these signs telling me to quit. But I don't know, I think I really had the strength for my YouTube channel and the followers and People really needed the product and the message I had to convey to them. So that really pushed me to continue. And I always say if I didn't start on YouTube, I would have never, like this would have never happened. I owe everything to my YouTube channel. I owe the courage and the determination and the strength to start this on my YouTube channel. And then going on with like the immigrant entrepreneur theme, my parents didn't know that I quit my job. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I was living under <laughs> their house and stuff because they were going to flip out. You know, they kept saying like, oh my gosh, you're risking everything. Like we worked so hard. And I know they don't mean any harm, right? They want right. stability. And they were like, you know, how do we come to this country if you're going to just make videos on YouTube? You know? Right, right. But I don't know. It was just something like I that came over me, like an outer body maniacal experience of like, I need to do this no matter what. So that really, really pushed me to keep going. 
Okay, so I gotta ask, how were you able to hide it from your parents? Because did you like wake up in the morning and get dressed and leave for the day and then come back and work on your products or? I did some consulting roles like here and there. So I did work kind of like part time doing that. So I was kind of working, but I wasn't like really working full time. Oh, got it. Okay. But they didn't know I like officially quit my big corporate job. Okay. But during this time, you're having all these bottles shipped to them. You're whipping out this product. You're selling it. You're running to the post office. Do they have an inclination that you were or did they know that you were running this business? Yeah. Yeah, they knew I was running it. They just thought it was like a side hustle, which it was kind of. But yeah, they didn't know like I put everything in it. Like they didn't know that I lost my inventory and I lost like all that money in the beginning. Wow. Okay. And how were you able to recuperate that? I mean, the products kept selling and selling and the business kept growing. So that wasn't too difficult um, because it. it just kept growing. Yeah. And I'm glad that you bring that up because I hear that all the time with millennial immigrants who are so afraid to tell their parents that they quit their job and started this new business because you're totally right. You know, our parents came here for safety, for security, and my parents pushed and pushed to get a higher education, to go to college. And you're totally right. It would be scary for them to realize that you quit your really good and stable job to do what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) and immigrant kids are always afraid to tell their parents but I'm glad you did that route so (laughs) good job yeah and something I've learned about parents and the relationship with immigrant parents because we tend to have very very strong relationships with our parents Mm -hmm. sometimes we think like growing up we think they're right you know we think they're invincible but at the same time they're not always right and you know, we all need to adapt, right? So they know what was best during that time, but it is not necessarily what is best now. And even as an entrepreneur, I constantly have to learn how to adapt, especially as my business grows. I cannot be the same person as I was, you know, eight years ago, just starting off my business as I am today, right? So it's just constantly learning how to adapt and change. And that's really, really, really hard. And I think a lot of people aren't able to do that because it's super painful, right? To change what is familiar to you. I just want to give that piece of advice that you have to, even if it's painful. And I think people refusing to adapt, especially I see certain, you know, immigrants not able to adapt to the culture or able to adapt to life now. I feel like they, you know, it really hurts them when they're not able to adapt to something new. No, you're totally right. You're totally right. I love it. And so how were you able to scale and what are the things that you did? Did you have to find a supplier? Did you have to find different employees and start hiring? Were you still running this out of your parents' house? Did you find a warehouse? How did you grow all that? I hired a assistant from a local college and that was the best thing I did. So it was basically all the money that I made paid to her. Uh-huh. It was like super painful, oh. like, you know, like, you know, in the beginning, right? But it really helped free me up to doing other stuff so she could, you know, package and do all of that. And I learned how to manage and delegate. And then I was like, oh, hey, this is working out. And then I hired a second person, and a third person. The second person, Katie, is still with me eight years later. So yeah, just keep hiring and scaling. I think that's really how to scale is to 
hire people so that way you can delegate stuff. Mm -hmm. And where are you guys making these products? Is it through a warehouse, through a supplier, or how does that work? I don't even know how skincare products work. Oh, we make it ourselves. Okay. So that's kind of like our thing is that we make it fresh and we send it directly to the consumer. And I'm very, very picky about ingredients and I'm very picky about the product. I'm kind of a control freak as most entrepreneurs are. So I was like, if we're going to do it, we have to do it ourselves. So that's been really fun. But we only have a few products. We only have a very few staple line of products because for me, it's not worth like, oh, like investing the resources and all that stuff into something that's simply trendy skincare, but doesn't really provide great efficacy to the skin. Mm Yeah. You can't find a lot of homemade and fresh products these days. So that's really nice to hear that your guys' products are all made fresh and from amazing ingredients. So tell me a little bit more about the products that you guys sell and what type of clients do you guys serve? Our main product is the Banish Starter Kit. So that basically contains everything you need (laughs) to start your Banish skincare journey. And our products mostly focus on post-acne marks and preventing future acne. So our products are natural, freshly made, and they kind of use your skin's own natural skin rejuvenating processes to heal itself. So I don't know if you're familiar with microneedling. Mm -mm. So our best seller is the Banisher 2.0, which is our patented microneedling tool. It basically pricks tiny little holes in your skin and forces your skin to regenerate new skin cells underneath it. That's our best seller. But it's really with anyone who has post-acne marks or anyone who wants to maintain their skin without using really harsh chemicals. Because for me, when I had acne, I was using the harshest of harsh chemicals Mm -hmm. and it just constantly made my skin worse. So we say you don't actually need to use harsh chemicals to get rid of your acne. Like you can just use natural gentle products and your skin will clear up because you're treating your skin with kindness. You're not stripping your skin and abusing it all the time. Yeah. And I feel the acne problem is so strong these days. I think that's like half of the woman these days. (laughs) Yeah. So do you guys sell on Etsy or just on your website? Where else do you guys sell your products? Yeah, just on our website. Got it. Okay. And what about mentors? Did you have any mentors that helped you out to start your business? You know, I would actually caution against having mentors. I know this is a very contrarian way of thinking. You have to be careful about whose advice you take and kind of the mentors you have. In the beginning, no, I didn't have any mentors. Now I have like some entrepreneur groups I'm a part of that I learn from and bounce ideas off each other. But I think people, I think people think, oh, I need a mentor to start my business. No, you don't need a mentor. You can do it without a mentor, you know, and a mentor might actually Mm -hmm. like be wrong, like for your business, right? Like they don't know what's best for your business. Only, you know, what's best for your business. And In the beginning, I was trying to get advice from people and like people are telling me, oh, you need to raise money. You're never going to succeed because the marketing cost of the product is like going to be astronomical. So you need to raise blah, 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 blah. And you need to create these skincare products because these margins are higher because like people were telling me what to do and I didn't agree with them. So I was like, you know, Mm -hmm. screw this. I'm just going to do it and do my own thing. And, you know, we're still in business, we're still thriving. And all the other mentors who told me, blah, 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 like a lot of their companies have folded, right? So I think sometimes people like blindly trust people because of credibility. But I think you really have to make decisions for yourself, because only you know what's best for your market, for your customer, and for your business. And because I'd struggled with acne, I really knew what was best 
you know, I wasn't going to take advice from somebody, no matter how great of a business person they were, um, if they hadn't struggled with acne, right? Because they're not my core customer. So yeah, yeah, like don't think you need a mentor to succeed, basically. It's great if you have them, but don't always like blindly trust people's advice. Yeah, and it's so good to hear because you had your own separate journey that this really came out of. And like you said, those people may not even struggle with acne. So how are they going to give, you know, you some amazing advice when they didn't experience what you've experienced? And Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And what about marketing? You said that you really didn't have any marketing in the beginning stages because it was all just running through YouTube. But what about now? Do you do any Facebook ads, Google ads, YouTube ads, any of that? Yeah, we do all of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we do it all because you have to do it all in 2021. Got it. Okay. It is a useful tool to do for people who have maybe an e-commerce or a skincare product. Yeah. I mean, unless you have your own successful YouTube channel or your own platform, like you, you need to be everywhere, right? Because The thing is, is that marketing changes every six months. We're always learning something new. Mm -hmm. So you have to constantly be learning and pivoting. And once you figure out one platform, the algorithm changes or, you know, something else is popular or, for example, Facebook, they have the iOS update. So you have to, you know, change it again. Yeah. So, yeah, you have to be everywhere and you have to do everything and you have to constantly change. So that's the hard part. Yeah. (laughs) No one tells you. Yeah. And keep up to date every day. Keep up to date. Yeah. (laughs) So, Daisy, I wanted to ask you, I know we were chatting offline. You have a, a very small baby at home. How do you stay productive throughout the days? with the baby at home and to ensure that all business things are getting taken care of? Well, yeah, as I mentioned, Alina, I have a great team and I feel like they have my back. I mean, this took eight years in the making of developing and finding the right people. So that I think really helps. And we have so many women working and a lot of them are moms. So they totally understand I think another great thing is I have flexibility in my schedule. You know, for example, I'm recording this podcast at 9.38 p.m. with you, right? So I'm like, hey, I can't make this meeting now, but can we schedule it for this time or whatever, right? And so that's also been really great. I try not to spend time on things that don't matter. So I wear like the same thing all the time. I don't do my makeup. I don't do my hair. I don't cook. So that kind of helps in certain aspects. You know, I order everything from online. I try not to like worry about the small stuff. Don't get my nails done. I mean, it's COVID, but I mean, just like little things like that, right? So that has also helped. And having a baby, there's a lot of time for listening to stuff because whenever you're with your baby, you can spend time listening. So I'm listening to so many audiobooks, so many podcasts. Every time I'm walking with her or whatnot, I'm listening to something. And I'm like also really great at trying to multitask and do many things at once. So for example, I will walk my daughter Indy. I put on this like booty band, like walking with booty bands and ankle weights. And then I have uh-huh. a either podcast or I have a call while doing all three of that. <laughs> so I'm like killing, getting my workout. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing work. And I'm also spending time with my daughter, <laughs> getting the vitamin D outside. Like I'm doing all of that at once. So I try to really like, and then nurse her at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So I try to do all of that. And I try to like, if there's like a meeting that's not super, super important, in terms of I don't have to like present, then I'll always try to like take her for a walk, right? <laughs> you know, or like just yeah. do something. Um, so 
yeah, it's, it's, you know, you can yeah. do it, but I think, um, I'm really, really glad that I have a child after like investing a lot in my business. I don't know how I would have done it if it was like year one of starting my business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To all the moms, the new moms listening, it can still be it can done. Still be so. done. I'm sure it can still be done even if you're starting a business. And what I also learned about, I think, having a child and a baby is not everything is important and you don't need to work on everything, you know? Um, before I was like trying to do everything. Um, and sometimes you need to do certain things, but a lot of times you can let things go and the business, like it doesn't really affect the business. So then you make more time for really, really what's important that like initiatives that will actually move the needle in your business. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast and the guy was interviewing a mom of eight kids and she works from home and she does all these webinars and I think she does a podcast too. And he was asking her about productivity and how do you stay focused? And she was like, I cannot tell you how many times I was on a webinar and one of my kids pops in and just hops on or messes up with the camera. And she was like, it's never always perfect. There's always something going on. And she was like, I just run with it. I run with the show. I run with my kids and I just make it happen. So all the moms listening, one child, one baby or eight kids, it can still be done. So thank you so much for that encouragement. I really appreciate it. I will tell you the entrepreneur moms I know are the most efficient, productive human beings I have ever encountered on this planet. Like (laughs) if you want something to get done, ask a working mom to do it. Like, wow. Like she will respond to your email, like get you what you need. Like, yeah. I don't know what superpower there is, but yes, you think it's going to like hinder your work, but no, it just makes you like so much more productive because you don't have time to yeah. do it later. <laughs> we all have superpowers. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> okay. So Daisy, I wanted to ask, and I think you've already answered it, but how do you reinvest in yourself to keep up to date with your market? You mentioned you listen to podcasts and other YouTube videos while you're on your walk. Do you read any other specific books or business books? or anything else to kind of keep up to date with the skincare products or social media inventions or anything else? I do a lot of YouTube videos and podcasts. I think books are good, but books are more of like long-term initiatives. But because marketing changes so much, once there's a marketing book launched, it's probably like the information is dated, right? So yeah, podcasts, YouTube videos are really great. Any specific podcasts you're listening to right now? I really like Marketing School because they have episodes that are only like five minutes and I have a short attention span, so they get to the point. So I really like those. I've been listening to one called Business Wars, and that's actually really interesting, really well produced. It helps help me think about business in a longer term perspective. In terms of self-development, I've been listening to The Life okay. Coaching School by Brooke Castillo. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of her, but... Yeah, I just kind of listen to whoever and then if I click with them, I click with them and, you know, yeah. listen to all the rest of their videos. Yeah, you're always learning. So that's good. I'm always yeah. learning. Yep. <laughs> so let's switch gears and talk about successes. Are there any successes that you would like to outline from your immigrant entrepreneur journey? I would say hmm, successes. I think I've been pretty good at investments and investing. I think I'm pretty good with money. And that's because, you know, growing up as first generation entrepreneur, you kind of come to this country with nothing. So you're really frugal 
and you're very resourceful. So I think I'm very good with money and very resourceful. But I think also at the same time, you also need to take a lot of risk to get your business to grow. So as I said before, you have to adapt. And I'm trying to adapt by learning how to take more risk with the business. Other successes, I did a TEDx talk, which was really great. I loved it. That was on my bucket list. And I want to do more. That was amazing. And, you know, I have like business awards and accolades, but I would also say I think I have a really great team and I have pretty low turnover. I mean, I've had people with me for, you know, five, six, seven years. So I also think that's a great success too. And even the influencers we work with, you know, they've been working with us for four, five, six, you know, years. I think that's a great success. Just being able to say like, hey, eight years in business, haven't raised a dime and we've been profitable, you know, from year two, that's a success. And I can run my business on my own terms too. Yeah. What makes your business stand out from the other skincare lines? Our products are phenomenal. Yes. (laughs) And I don't mean to say that, like we have customers who repurchase every three weeks for the past five years. And it's just like clockwork, like they repurchase like a calendar. So Our products are phenomenal. But not only that, I really feel like we were the first brand to be a skin positive brand. So it was always about me and my story and the authenticity I felt when having acne and always advocating that it's never about the way you look. It's about the way you feel that matters. And just always showcasing people with real skin and real acne scars and real pores and real wrinkles and never saying like, oh, we're going to eliminate you know, we're going to be poreless, we're going to be acne-less, we're going to be anti-aging, whatever. We're always showing real people. We never Photoshop our pictures. We've never had a photo shoot because we just use real people. Mm-hmm. And it was always like that. And now it's like trendy to be real, but like we were real from day one. So I think we're just a very authentic brand. And I think that resonates down to everybody on the team and to our influencers. Like we're just all real and down to earth. And we relate to the customer and they love us for that. So we have like a very long-term relationship with our customers. That's awesome. That's good to hear that you guys were always natural from day one. In the day and age that we're living in, everything is completely Photoshopped. (laughs) Every single body part is out there that's, you know, looking so perfect is Photoshopped for sure. So it's really good and refreshing to hear that, hey, we can still do this all naturally. We can still create such an amazing culture with our companies by not photoshopping and by being real and by showing that, hey, we're not going to eliminate every single thing or every single problem out of your life, but it will definitely work. And here are the testimonials and here are the pictures to show. So I did want to ask you, what does the American dream mean to you, Daisy? Ooh, I love that. (laughs) American dream is you can achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve, whatever that might be. So can anyone reach their American dreams? Yes. And I refuse to believe otherwise. It might be a million times harder for someone, but that doesn't mean they can't do it. Mm -hmm. And I was just actually this morning while I was walking my daughter, listening to Oprah's masterclass, right? And you look at Oprah and just, I mean, what a story and an upbringing, right? Yeah. I mean, who would have thought that she would be who she is today from that? And I'm sure most people would say like, oh, yeah, it's impossible. But look at her, you know, and if she told herself, no, I'm not able to do it, then she definitely wouldn't be here today. So, yes, I think anyone can achieve whatever it is they want to. I think it's useless to believe otherwise. And I'm not discrediting and saying that it's harder for certain people. Of course it is. 
But I do believe that anyone can achieve whatever it is that they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so powerful. Thank you so much. What are some things you would advise the next aspiring immigrant that wants to start their own business? I would say, listen to yourself. You know what is best. I think in a lot of times I was trying to seek validation or reassurance from people. And that's when I got distracted. So the worst decisions I've made were always like asking a million people for advice (laughs) because you're going to get a million different answers. So you have to look deep within and really figure out what is it that you want and what do you think is best for your business. And that's really, really hard because we have so much distraction these days and so much influencers giving us all this advice. So I would say take some time to clear your mind and like you have the answer in your heart and in your soul, but you just need to trust in that. And I also say for immigrant entrepreneurs, and this is something I'm learning, money is not scarcity. It can be used and leveraged to create really great things. Because I think when I was growing up, money was so scarce, right? And it was all about saving, 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 saving. Mm -hmm. But if you have that mindset, you're never going to start a company because there's a lot of financial risk. So you have to change your mindset instead of thinking about penny pitching and, you know, saving, thinking about investing, right? If I put $1 in, I can get $10 back instead of trying to save $1 to save a dollar. Yeah. So just changing that mindset. And it's so, so, so hard, especially like for me, just growing up so poor, it was really, really hard for me to switch my mind around. But yeah, viewing money as kind of more of an abundant source than a scarcity mindset, I think will really help kind of push you into taking the risk that it takes to start a business. Wow, I think you said it so well. And it brings me back to my childhood memories. Anytime I was in the store with my mom and I wanted to buy something, her response was always, we don't have money. And Mm -hmm. although I know she had 10 bucks in her wallet to buy me a piece of candy, her saying we don't have money was always just engraved in my brain. Like we're not going to buy anything because we don't have money. And I think that Maybe an immigrant mentality. I'm not sure, but I can totally yeah, resonate. Sure. It can totally resonate with you because it was always just like, no, we have no money. So we never traveled. We never went to Disneyland. Are you kidding me? That's like a luxury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for allowing us to retrain our minds to allow our businesses to grow and to allow our businesses to be born. So Daisy, I want to thank you so much again for taking some time out of your busy life to come on the Immigrant Entrepreneurs Podcast. You've dropped some, a lot of invaluable advice to all of our listeners. And I wish you all the best. And I hope to see a lot more products in the future. And thank you so much again. Thank you so much, Alina. Yeah, I love sharing this. And I, again, as I said, being an immigrant really shaped who I am. And I think as immigrants, we have unique strengths and also unique weaknesses, right? When it comes to business. And so learning how to manage and leverage them is really key. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks. Alrighty, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. If there are any links that were mentioned in this episode, make sure to check them out on my website under this episode to find all the links conveniently located in the show notes. I just wanted to ask for a quick favor. If you could please leave a review wherever you're at listening to this podcast. 
Also, if you're an immigrant entrepreneur and would love to be on my podcast, please email me and we'll get connected. I'll see you guys all next time for another exciting and impactful episode. Take care.